This is the Reflector Reflections podcast. My name is Annie. Join me as we journey around the world talking with fellow human design reflectors as they experiment and navigate their unique design. Today's beautiful conversation is with Abby. Abby is a fellow 5-1 reflector, an end-of-life doula, life coach, and professional intuitive. Welcome, Abby. Hello. So happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here too. And what an interesting topic, uh, something that we'll get into a little bit, the end-of-life duelering. That's, I think, how our paths crossed originally. Yes. So let's get into it. Straight off the bat, I'm going to hit it, hit you with it. Okay. How did you find human design? Or how did human design find you? Okay. I was taking a class uh, with, with a, a coach and she liked human design, but didn't, the class wasn't about that. She brought up the subject and said, but we're not going to go down that rabbit hole, but here's something I'm going to throw at you. And, and of course I was like, what, what did you say? What, 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 what's going on here? So I kind of, uh, had my interest peaked, started looking it up. Um, right away I was led to a guy on Instagram, Zach, and he is a reflector and he has a little group a little group on discord. And, um, that was it. I, I joined the group, but you know, I'm, I'm not really that active in it. I know very little about it, but I'm very intrigued. Oh, so <laughs> that's how I found it. She kind of mentioned it and then retreated. <laughs> Unlike us with a first line, it's like, did you say something that I must now go? And, and did you say, <laughs> don't go down a rabbit hole? What? Exactly. what is that? <laughs> oh, Zach. I love Zach. Zach was actually the second person I ever uh, interviewed on this podcast. And um, his Discord channel is amazing. I don't get in there a lot to do the Reflector Unite group calls, but he, I always say that human design is the gift that keeps on giving, but Zach is also the gift that keeps on giving. He is just such a gorgeous soul in this world. Yes. For sure. Yeah. He's very sweet. And I remember when his daughter was born and I was sending him all kinds of baby tips and, you know, yeah. <laughs> so. so you're yeah. still newish into discovering this, your, your life now as a reflector. How there has that know. been for you, Abby? Um, you know, even though I don't know that much, what I do know made sense to me almost right away. Um, you know, being, having the moon, um, as opposed to the sun, uh, directing us, it felt very natural to me. I was always very drawn to the moon. I'm a night owl. Um, I felt like that was when the whole world was asleep and I could finally be alone with me. And that's what I needed was to be with me. And, um, yeah, so, so many of those things, um, that I would hear from other people and I could see where um, I was, people were drawn to me in always, like perfect strangers would walk up to me and tell me their life story in two seconds. And I always was able to act objective. I, I never really took a major side. Like I, I could see both sides of a situation. I became in, in the States, there was a woman, Dear Abby, 
um, Ann Lander's sister, and I became Dear Abby to a lot of people, and it was very natural to me. Um, and so, I, you know, I just, a lot of it made sense. You know, when I looked into what the five one was, I, again, I'm not that versed in it, but that made sense. I, I love research. I do research. I am the detective. <laughs> so it made sense. It just was like, yeah, okay. In a way that astrology never really did. If that makes sense. Yes, it makes total sense. Yeah. And that journey that you've gone on, um, we talk a lot about this, like for some, it's really enlightening and they're, they're really happy and, and, you know, they're like, yeah, that makes sense. Other times it's, it's really emotional. It's, it's like, you've got to unpack your past a little bit. Did, can you identify with that? Yes. Um, yeah, because there were, you know, there were also just as much as it, it made sense to me in the good way. I also felt like there were so many times I was really misunderstood and um, told I was too emotional, um, <laughs> things to that effect. And I would, you know, I was offended by that because I didn't understand what's so wrong about being emotional. Like I was feeling everything. Why is it not good to feel it? But that's, that's a society thing. But um, yeah, so it, it was in some ways realizing that um, I didn't have to be ashamed. I didn't have to feel that there was something wrong with me. There really wasn't. I, I think I was just very misunderstood. And I think in general, people don't really know themselves. So it's easy to say, this is what you are. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And as you said, you know, misunderstood, and that's a part of that conditioning process that we go through, isn't it? It's society yeah. sort of says we've got to do this. And, and for a lot of us, we shut down. So we shut down that sensitivity. And obviously in the work that you do being, you know, you do raking, you do lots of stuff. Have you mm -hmm. found that that's always been active or was that suppressed when you were suppressed? I think that was suppressed because when I started to develop um, gifts, as I call them, I realized I was always a channel. I just didn't know what I was doing. I didn't realize that what I was doing was channeling. I didn't realize not everybody does it. I think everybody can do it. I think we're all capable of those things, but I didn't realize that that's what was happening. Um, because I wasn't around anybody that recognized that either. And so I started to think back on my life and say, this is, this has always been happening. Yeah. Yeah. And finding out about that reflectorism, <laughs> that's a word, but <laughs> finding out it, it, it makes, that's another thing for me. And I'm hearing that from you as well. It makes sense. We're just completely open. All of that information has been processing through us our whole lives. Yep. And it's like yeah. when we can open those floodgates that we've suppressed, it just comes in. Yeah, it does. And that's why, I mean, I would love to know more, but I feel like so often I have, um, because of the research, I have 
a million like doors open, a million windows open. And there's so many things that I want and I can juggle a lot. I do juggle a lot, but then again, there's only so much you can do at one time. And, and life has taken me down so many paths, I think in the last two years that I just keep dipping my toe into human design, but eventually I'm going to have somebody read my chart and sit down with me and really explain it to me. Yeah, and I love that you were just taking it at your own pace because that's that's saying a lot, especially for that that first line to sort of like go, oh, look, I've got things at the moment. And I think you know when you know, like with anything in our life, it's like also about being a reflect. You've been a reflector your whole life. You can't bugger it up. <laughs> you know, you're still going to do the same things, but it's just that heightened awareness. And I love yeah. I love that you're saying that. You're just going, oh, I'll, you know, I'll learn more when it, I'm good and ready. It's like- yeah, I mean, that's kind of, I think that's kind of been my theme a, a lot of my life is um, nobody could really make me do something that I really didn't want to do. And I do do things in my own time. So it's not that I necessarily wait a, a cycle, a full moon cycle, but I certainly, um, I'm not spontaneous, sorry to say, <laughs> I'm just not. And um, I like to to take my time and feel things out. Yeah. So, yeah. For now, you're not spontaneous. Let's <laughs> let's reconnect in a year and see. <laughs> and that's the joy of experiment, never, isn't it? <laughs> I never said I was never spontaneous. Under the certain the right circumstances, I can be spontaneous. But as a rule. I prefer not to be. Yeah, yeah. And it is nice to take your time. And you know, you've known that you felt into that. And it will be mm-hmm. beautiful to to catch up with you again, you know, six months, 12 months down as you kind of start sort of feeling into it. Cause it's also yeah. new in the beginning. And it's like you can kind of also feel that there's so many rules and you think, oh, I forgot to do all of these things. And it's just like, I'll just, I'll just feel into it. And it sounds to me like that's where you're going. And it's like, yes. Yeah. A little at a time. A little at a time. So when you found this out about yourself, did you, um, did you, have you started investigating your family around you? Like who are you, your parents, if, if you have that ability? Um, what, what type they are? What human? Yeah. My sister and my mom, um, we did right away. Um, I recently lost my mom. She passed uh, five months ago. But when she was here, we, my sister and her, um, of course, they were the same, which made perfect sense to me because that's the way it's always been, which is good. Um, I think I did my kids. Um, yeah, I'm the only reflector, though. What have you got in your family? Do you mind sharing that with us? What your dynamic I have, is? I have, um, I think my mother and my sister are manifesting generators. Manifesting generators. My my one son is a generator and my other son, I think a projector, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. And you um, notice the difference know. between them? Oh, yeah. I mean, kids are different anyway, but you can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my boys are grown now. I'm 23 and 26. But um, yeah, I could see certainly. And my sister and my mother easily, I can can see that right away. Yeah. So 
Yeah. I found that just having that awareness and even kind of like talking with our family about it, it can spark their curiosity. And before you know it, they go off on their own little exploration or healing journey. So. Yeah, I think, I mean, for us, you know, I mean, again, to be perfectly honest, when I think about it, it's been a crazy like two years. So that could have been also part of the reason why I, I didn't dive so much yeah. down that road. Yeah. Had my hands full. Yeah. Yes, you have. So <laughs> speak to us, um, if you don't mind, I, I would love to have this conversation with you about the end of life and uh, coming from myself as a birth doula and soon to be end of life doula as well. Mm-hmm. The difference between birth and death is, well, negligible, really. So how has this been for you? How did you get into this into this space? Um, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back a little bit before I kind of get directly into that. I was always, I remember as a child being petrified to die petrified, couldn't even say the words, couldn't talk about it, didn't want to hear the word death, didn't want to think about it, did not want to go there. Um, and then when I was about 18, my grandmother's, my my step-grandfather, um, he was diagnosed with cancer and I was very close to him. And, you know, he was living, they were living downstairs from us in our home and nobody would go in the room, you know, grandpa was sick and everybody stayed out of the room. And I really had a lot of questions. I had been reading <clears throat> books about reincarnation. I was learning about the afterlife, things to that effect, psychic, you know, beings and things. And I just had a lot of questions. And I think I, at that time I was ready to face some of the things that I was questioning. And so I would go and sit with him every day. I would come home from school, go in. I remember teaching him how to play backgammon. You know, he was literally on his deathbed. And and I would just question him and question him. And he was really happy to answer the questions. He was happy to have the company. It was something he wanted to talk about and nobody would broach the subject with him. And, you know, when he would cough, he had lung cancer. He would cough and he would say, don't be afraid of me. You know, don't be scared. And and, and I wasn't. I just, I, I felt like I had to get these answers before it was too late. And so that was really my first, um, I think, awareness of death and being around, losing somebody that was close to me. That was really my first experience. And um, so, you know, time went by and uh, I had certain beliefs, but, you know, life is busy. And um, I was getting a little bit better about death. I wasn't so frightened, but it wasn't something I could really, I wasn't comfortable with it. Um, I started, I guess, Developing my gifts recently, more more recently than not around the time of the pandemic, which I think a lot of people went within and started uh, cracking open, so to speak. And around that time, um, I always knew what I believed and I always had a certain belief of there definitely was life after death. 
I had by then lost my grandmother as well. I felt like she was always with me. She was communicating with me. I could sense things. Um, but as I started to develop my own intuition and my own gifts, um, I was more convinced than ever. I just knew that what was beyond. I lost my dad when he was 63 years old. And so for the last 26 years, he's been an everyday part of my life. I have a pendulum. I speak to my father every day. We communicate. Um, and then my mom got ill. And during that time, I was taking a class with a mentor on developing my gifts. And she said to me, you would be such a great end of life doula. And I said, I never heard of that. But of course I had heard of a birth doula. So I said, well, what is, what is that? And she said, oh, it's, you, you basically help people transition. You help them, you help the family. And um, it's fascinating. I can see you in this so clearly. And so I started to look into it. And um, then my mother had been diagnosed with cancer and I became her caregiver because I was, um, I was not working at the time. And it just made sense that I would be the one to care for her and take her to her appointments and things. Um, we had three wonderful years from the time of her diagnosis with her. And um, basically during that time that I was her caregiver, I was learning about what an end of life doula does. And um, to me, one of the biggest draws was that not only could I help the person who was passing and help the family, but afterwards I could give them messages from their loved one. To me, that was like, oh, <laughs> like I could do so much for them and to show them that there's so much more. Yeah. It's not the end. Yeah. Jeez, I love that. I can so relate to your story. So it's it's like these messages have always been there. Um, I was the opposite. I was I wasn't scared of death, but I was scared of the dark because I'd have lots of visitations in my quiet moments. So I became afraid of the dark, thinking that was when they would come. But yeah. I've learned now the messages come because that's when I'm quiet of mind and I can hear the subtle messages. Exactly. Exactly. And and I love what you said, like the, it's not just about supporting through the transition of physical death. It's the after transition and educating and being able to have that channel. Exactly. Yeah. Thank Especially you for wording for something that I've always wondered yeah. about and known about, but I've never been able to talk to somebody about that because I don't know if you've worked with other end of life doulas, but, and forgive my ignorance here because I'm still newish to it, but a lot of yeah. the ones that I've kind of tutored under mm -hmm. don't seem to have as much spirituality as me. So when this is happening, it's like, I, I can see and know what's happening, but they can only still see the physical. Do you find that as mm -hmm. well? Yeah, you know, um, with some people, it just kind of really depends on how they got into it. For me, it was the spiritual that led me to this. Um, 
oftentimes you'll find people that are nurses and or have worked in hospice in one way or another that maybe pursue this. And so they may be coming from it from a different standpoint, but what attracted me was certainly the spiritual first. So I, I completely understand what you're saying, you know, because um, it just made so much sense to me. And, and I do feel like, you know, we're in this new age of things happening and, and more people awakening and more people becoming spiritual and wanting to know the whole thing, not just what exists here on this earth plane um, during our period of being human. But um, it just made sense that we would want to know what what's next, what where where do we go? What's happening? What happens when we get there? Yeah. So um, yeah, that became really intriguing to me. Yeah, so beautiful. What a beautiful gift to the world. With knowing that, you know, now you know that you're a reflector and with a lot of this mirroring that we do do because it's who we are, yeah. in an end-of-life scenario, how was that? How have you found that? Is there times where you've worried about reflecting something somebody's not prepared to see or is it people a little bit more open when they're um from you know honestly from my experience i think that what i'm reflecting back to them is what they truly want in to their core they want loving caring sincere attention somebody that's focused on them that's there for them um and in a kind compassionate way and um, because I do Reiki and I work with energy, I seem to bring a lot of calm to a lot of people. Like with my mother, she, you know, we had our ups and downs, mothers and daughters. Um, but she, it got to a point where she would say, I, I just want Abby in the room because I would do Reiki on her and she found it so peaceful and so relaxing. So it was it was the fact that I could move that energy that was maybe frightening her or I, I could get it away. I could bring in the calm. I could bring in the peace. So I feel that that's kind of what I'm reflecting back at people. I don't I think that when when you approach with that loving, kind, sincere energy, a lot of the fear will go. And so then, yeah, they can just really see the beauty in the situation. Yeah. And I love that you say that about, you know, you, you bringing in that calm energy because that would make sense. We have no def definition in our, in our chart. So it's not like we're bringing in a sacral energy into a space that somebody just right. doesn't want that motor. Right. It's like exactly. we're set up for this. It's, it's, it's a perfect job choice. <laughs> it's not a job, <laughs> but it, it just, the more I think about it and just listening to you, the more it's confirming to me. It's like, these are just, we're just built for this kind of birth death, yeah. to witness, to hold, to, to, to be, because we, we bring no pressure. Nope. Nothing, nothing. And, um, you know, once I really started to get involved, I really saw the beauty in it. I mean, certainly there's, there's accidents and there's things that happen, but when you can plan 
for end of life, which by the way, I think everybody should do. I think it should become like we plan for weddings, we plan birthday parties, we plan all kinds of things in our life. This is a part of our life. It's We're all going to do it, but yet it's the thing that everybody puts, you know, oh no, we're not going to talk about that. But if we could plan for it, make a plan and do it exactly how we wanted it done, I think it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And um, I think that you know, being there with somebody, being able to talk them through the fear, also explaining what's going to happen. My mom had a lot of questions. What are the stages of death? What's going to happen to me? You know, and I'm a firm believer in being honest with people. Um, there were lots of things. My sister uh, was very frightened. She didn't even want to tell my mother that she had the cancer. She we we shouldn't tell her. It's her life. What do you mean you're not going to tell her? You have to tell her. So just things like that. So a lot of people want to hide away from things. So when you want to look at it straight on and deal with it and say, you know what, this can be something beautiful, and um, and very sacred. I found it to be such a sacred um, action. You know, event. It really is. It is. It is. It is actually a very momentous journey, transition. Yeah, the biggest. <laughs> so, when people do they do they contact you themselves, or does the family generally contact you? Like, how does how does that look? I guess for people who are curious about how this process works. Well, um, you can always work with hospice in your area. Do you have hospice in Australia? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if they were like worldwide. I, I didn't know. Um, you can always kind of work with a hospice or just in, like contact different hospice in your area and say, this is what I offer. Um, and they're very welcoming to end of life doulas. It's, it's really becoming much more known in the last three years, I would think, than, than any other time. Um, and then a lot of word of mouth, you know, uh, people, it just always seems, you know, I, they always say when you hear of a death, there's always three, you're going to hear of three together. And so it's that kind of a thing. Like, you know, somebody and then, oh, I knew this person. Oh, my, my friend's daughter does that. She's a doula. She can help you. Oh, what's a doula? You know, it yeah. just kind of, <laughs> no. that's <laughs> always the first thing. What's a doula? <laughs> Yeah. A woman exactly. slave. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Kind of. No, it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, it's the other thing is as doulas where the family is concerned, people don't know what they don't know. You know, we we just don't. And having somebody there to help you figure out what it is you don't know um, is tremendous, yeah. tremendous. Um, we unfortunately did not have a lot of help through hospice because it was during the pandemic. They were very um, unstaffed and they were not able to provide uh, the critical care that she needed. 
you know, there just wasn't anybody to send um, round the clock. And so my sister and I um, basically became the caregivers and, and, you know, for the, to help her transition. And um, so in that aspect, of course, doing it with a client and doing it with a parent is a little different, but um, just as meaningful, you know, I think more meaningful with my mom for sure, but um, gave me a whole different perspective into the field. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you were saying there before, you know, earlier you was always told that you were too emotional and you understand there's nothing wrong with that. How does that, how does that emotional side of you cope or cope is the wrong word, but how does that function for you when you can feel so much that's happening? And in those, in these spaces, there is a lot of emotion from more often than not the family. How, how, how does that work for you having those Um, flooding of emotions? (laughs) You know, it's, it's funny because, because we are reflectors, we kind of adjust to every situation that we're working in. When I'm working with the client, um, I'm there strictly, it's strictly comfort. It's strictly calm. It's strictly, what can I do for you? You know, do you, do I, you know, whether it's putting lotion on somebody's hands or, or um, singing to them, whatever it is that is going to bring them peace. The families can be very different. Obviously they, there can be a lot of tension between families when somebody's passing. Um, You run into all kinds of situations. And I think I've been able to adapt to that and take myself out of it and kind of see, okay, this family is very um, high strung and they're very upset that this person is, and they're trying to keep this person here rather than allowing them to leave peacefully, um, then it's trying to be that calm for them and to say, this is what's happening. This is what your loved one needs. This is um, the best way if you want to have a peaceful transition. Um, And then there could be people that are just very emotional and very frightened. So then being that support for them. So it's not that I take on all of their emotions necessarily. I think I as a reflector, because we can be so chameleon-like, you can adapt to whatever the situation is. Yeah. And I love that you say that. That's actually very, very inspiring because in my short time in doing this work, I have felt a lot of emotion. Um, And even when I first started birth jewelering all those years ago, it was very similar. It took me, it's like I had to strengthen that muscle to go, you know, I, I, um, when I first started birth jewelling, for example, I would, I'd become quite teary, you know, I'd want to cry during mm-hmm. the birth and I yeah. thought, oh, this is very unprofessional, Annie, you know, so I'd kind of like be embarrassed about that. And, you know, I worked that muscle thing to go, it's okay for me to, to shed some tears because that's, that's, it's pure joy, Beautiful. but not to get right. caught in the emotion of it. But I found with the end of life transition, I'm, I'm having to retrain that muscle because I find it so beautiful and sad at the same time 
So my 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 poor little heart sometimes still goes. Um, yeah. And it's hundred percent. You're trying yes. to be professional, as you see. You're trying to be the calm in the situation, or the you know. But it's it, it's. I'm still working on that, but it, it's very like because I often think, I don't. I should be the one that's not crying, but <laughs> I'm like. Oh but you know what? <laughs> um, by you being able to cry and to see the beauty in it and to reflect that back to the family. Number one, I think it's, they can, it, it almost unites them because it's like somebody else cares for the person I loved. Somebody that my loved one mattered in this world because look at this, this woman is crying. Yeah. This woman like was touched by this human life. And I think that's what we all want ultimately as humans yeah. is to know that we matter. And I think um, one of the best gifts that we can give um, as reflectors to to the world is to know that the people that they love matter just in the big scheme of things. You know, it's not like this life is nothing. This life is something. Okay. It's so, so, you know, bigger than any of us could ever find the words to explain, you know? So I think that the crying and the sensitivity they feel united in that yeah. that that's been my experience oh, <laughs> so is i know i'm like i'm feeling emotional i'm like <laughs> we're feeling the emotions here it's like oh yeah. that was actually beautiful thank you for that you actually coached me through that because yeah that's a big question that i've had oh, and i'm like you've just it's like you're so right it's stop I don't need uh, yeah those words that you said I'm not even going to try Fine. next but it's like, thank you yeah, Abby fine. for that because sure. that is just you're right we are all human we all want to be seen as loved or felt loved and validated and cared and yeah <laughs> see what happens to reflect for people, who, for people who aren't watching this we're 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 <laughs> we're, we're sharing our emotions having in a moment <laughs> <laughs> oh so where do you think you'll go with this newfound knowledge as you say you're going to take your time um just journey through life see where it takes you yeah um for for me the diving into the human design part will be for me and i you know discovering me um, in a way that I didn't know myself before. And I think um, that the reason I hadn't really done it up until now was because I was a caretaker. I was so busy taking care of somebody else and putting out fires throughout my family for other things, because that's always been my, my position in the family. And so, um, but now that mom is gone and I have, um, it's almost like a new beginning for me. It, it's, it's so strange um, because all the things that she could have ever wanted for me and that I've wanted for myself are happening to me now. 
And I really believe that she is helping to propel that forward for me. And so um, now I will have nothing but time for myself to learn who I am and um, to my core. And, you know, I've always felt that it was something beautiful. And I've always felt that I was special in some way. I think we're all special, but I, I just knew there was something more. And so I think that human design is really going to lead me um, to a place of discovery that I never expected and wouldn't allow myself the time to indulge, but I'm, I'm going to do that. Wow. I'm here for this journey. I'm going to be sitting in the, sitting in the bleachers, just watching on Abby's life unfold. And I cannot wait to have a chat with you in maybe another six months time to see yeah, we'll where, to where you it. are now, because I, I, I feel like this is just going to be so amazing. This journey of regardless of human design, but this journey of you and, yeah. and, you know, we're all here for you. <laughs> Once you that. get one reflector, you get us all. Oh, good. <laughs> I you know, it's, it's true because like, I've only gone to a couple of, of meetings on the discord, but it's like, you don't have to have been going to the meet the minute you're through that, that, that opening, you're, it's so welcoming. And yeah. you just feel the kindred spirits that you're talking to. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sure it is with other types, but I just, I obviously I can only speak to reflectors, but I find that we're very, we're very, very supportive of one another because we get it. Nobody else gets it like we get it. And we're very protective as well in a beautiful way. So we're here for you, Abby, as you journey <laughs> through this self-discovery of Abby. As Thank Abby you. finds Abby. Dear Abby finds Abby. I'll, I'll think of yeah, a better title for that. That'll be something. <laughs> Thank you so very much for sharing yourself You're with welcome. us. It has been it's such an pleasure. honor. And I really pleasure. do. I mean it. I really am looking forward to chatting with you again next year. Well, you'll have to let me know if you have any questions along the way as you're as you're learning and discovering um, end of life doula for yourself. Yes, I, I will. Yeah. And I think it's really important uh, in this space. I've learned, you know, just through the, you know, this last year as I've I've done all my training and I've gone into the the space and you know I pull back. I've pulled back a couple of times and gone, is this really for me? But just even listening to you, then I got that confirmation of going, you have this spiritual aspect that can help people more than you realize. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly. It's like. It's just like I had a round of applause going around my head going, oh, she finally gets it. <laughs> no, it's like, but I will. I'll definitely yeah, will. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter what they believe, you know, it doesn't like what religion or, or what their belief is um, because, you know, in the end, we we just want somebody to hold our hand and, and we're, you know, can we do this? Or we, how frightening is this going to be? And it doesn't have to be frightening. It can really be a beautiful experience, just like the joy that we get when somebody's born into this world. Yes. There's so many people waiting for them to join them on the other side. And so it's the same thing for them. They're just crossing into another door, another room. So. Just another space. That's right. Just yep. transitioning. Oh. Yeah. Thank you for your time. 
You're welcome. Again, so. How are you doing? 